Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Welcome to Genesee Valley Church's online podcast. GVC is a non-denominational church in Flint, Michigan, and our mission is simple. To love God, love people, and love life. I know that you will be blessed by the message and the words that God has for you today. Now, here's Pastor Tony. As we were just singing that last part of that song as the team was leading us in worship, as we were saying, Lord, I give myself away, and just even in that song that nothing is impossible, there was something that just continued to stir in my heart, and so uh, I just believe it's pertinent for us that are here today. I believe it's a word for you that are sitting here, and uh, doesn't really necessarily have anything to do with my message, but I just believe that it'll be a, a word of encouragement to you, because you realize that oftentimes in this life, we go through life having expectations, having desires. We're praying, God, I need you to do some things in my life. And oftentimes we're questioning or wondering whether God's doing or listening, right? God, do you really hear me? God, do you see what's going on in my life? Well, the Bible gives us a story where there was a centurion man that came to Jesus and he brought his son to him. He says, I brought my son to your disciples, but they couldn't get him free. He said he's had the palsy and oftentimes it's thrown him into the fire and oftentimes it's tried to take his life. He said, if you can do anything and if you're willing, please heal my son. And Jesus' response was, I will. Amen. He said, I will. And I want you to hear that from God because you're oftentimes going to God saying, God, will you do something? He says, I will. God, will you help me with my kids? I will. God, you see my, my physical body, what's going on in my, my body and my health? He said, we say, God, will you, will you help me in my body? He says, I will. God, I need some help financially. Will you help me? God says, I will. Amen. He's telling you he will. That's his desire. It's his heart that he will help you. Amen. Do we believe it? Praise God. I'm telling you what. God's moving in our midst, and in, in, this is going to be a good year. Just, just hang on tight. What do you believe in God for? Because whatever you're believing for is the only thing that you can receive. Because if you believe for nothing, you'll get it every single time. Right? Come on. How many of you know that it's okay to trust God for things? You know, there's a lot of talk in the media right now in regards to individuals that are believing God for big things. And he's taking a lot of heat and a lot of criticism because of what he's believing for. I don't have one problem whatsoever for anybody that's believing God for big things. Amen. I said, I don't have a problem with anyone believing God for big things. Now, you might have a problem with somebody that's believing for bigger things than you, but my question is, is how big are you believing God for? Or have you even believed God for anything? Right? Well, if you've not believed God for anything, then don't criticize somebody else that's believing God for big things. Amen. Because we serve a big God. Amen. Well, praise the Lord. I'm going to preach you happy sooner or later. Come on. We're going to get God moving in here. How many of you know we serve a big God? He's not limited. He's not limited by what, what person's in the office of presidency. He's not limited by what city you live in. He's a good, good, good God. And I'm telling you what, if you're concerned about how extravagant things are, how extravagant people might believe God for things, listen, I want you to understand something, that God gave an extravagant gift and price for you. 
I mean, there was never such an extravagant gift or an offer of giving something than for you and I to have a relationship with God. God loved us so much that he sent Jesus. He came in a form of a man. He knowing that his son was going to go to the cross and be turned over to the hands of man to be killed. And nevertheless, he said, it's worth every bit of the price. And it was extravagant. I said it was extravagant. Come on. How many of you know that in regards to giving all the money in your bank account, giving over your cars, giving over your house, giving over all the things that you possess in relationship to giving your own child over for sacrifice? What would you think would be more extravagant? In relationship to your child? All that stuff doesn't even matter. It's not worth the dirt that it came from because that's my boy that's my girl i'm not going to sacrifice my child right amen that was good anyways praise the lord got me just stirred up in my faith because man i serve a good god amen and if you don't know a good god that way then just hang around and if you hang around long enough you'll begin to discover just how awesome god is and how much he loves you and how much of a great life he wants you to have amen Praise the Lord. Well, we're in week number two of our series called Breaking the Back of Lack. Now, I'm excited about this because this is something that the Lord said to me here early in the first part of the year. He said, one of the mandates and the assignments of Genesee Valley Church is to break the back of lack in this community and in this region. Amen? And see, when we talk about that, when we talk about breaking the back of lack, what our thoughts go to immediately is money. I want you to understand something that as we dive into this, I'm believing that God's going to open up our eyes. He's going to give us understanding and he's going to begin to show us some things in areas in which we have been living in darkness when it comes to just God's heart and God's desire for for how he wants us to live. That there's areas that we have been walking in, living in and thinking in the area in the realm of lack and we're just unknowingly doing so. Amen? And I believe that God is going to just open this up and just uh, uh, shed some light on some things. And so it might be our entire summer series. I'm just believing God for, for him to give us direction. And so we'll see where it goes. Amen. So in Galatians chapter 5, I want to share a couple of verses with you that we shared last week. Beginning in Galatians chapter 5, verse 13, it says, For you, brethren, have been called to liberty. He says, you, brethren, have been called to liberty. Let's stop for a moment. That word call means that there is an assignment. There is a mandate on your life. You have been called, assigned, given a mandate to live in liberty. Then it goes on to say, only to not not use this liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. Amen. So we said last week, we defined that word liberty. And so I want to bring it to your attention once again. I I think they'll have it on the screen because this is something that we're going to continue to come back to. But the word liberty in the Greek is defined as privilege, exemption, and immunity. So you have been called to liberty or you have been called to privilege. Come on, that was a good place to get excited. Come on. Now, I realize we hear that word, I've been called to privilege. Oh, I've always looked at those people that live the life of privilege and got kind of bent out of shape because they think they're all that in a bag of chips. 
No, the Bible says that you have been called to a life of privilege, a life of exemption, a life of immunity. So that means that by default, it, there is a choice in the matter if I live in this life of liberty or whether I don't. Amen? Then it goes on to say this. We looked at this verse. We're going to come back to that idea of living in liberty. But in Leviticus chapter 26, starting in verse 3, we saw some things in here that began to shed some light. God said this. He says, if you'll walk in my statutes and keep my commitments and perform them, then I will give you rain in the season and the land shall yield its produce. He says, if you'll let me be your God, if you'll listen to me, if you'll follow me, if you'll adhere to my word, he says, then I'll give you rain in its season and the land shall yield its produce and the tree, the tree of the fields shall yield their fruit. Now look at verse 5. It says, their threshing shall last till the time of vintage and the vintage shall last till the time of sowing. Now, in the King James Bible, sometimes it's difficult to understand some of the words that they use. But notice what he says here. He says that in that season... He says, your threshing shall last. That word last is defined as reach. Everybody say reach. Reach. All right, and the word threshing simply means the process. So if we break that down and look at that closer, he says, the process by which you harvest crops will last or reach till the time of planting. And the process will last till it comes back around till the time of harvest. And the process or the threshing will last till the time that it's time to sow seed again. He says your process will produce a livelihood for you and you won't have lack, but it will last until it has enough to sustain you. Amen? All right, so with that being said, when it comes to poverty... Poverty, in just a very generic, simple way of defining it, poverty is when it doesn't reach. I said poverty is when it doesn't reach. How many of you have experienced times in your life where life just didn't reach? The money didn't reach. The peace of mind didn't reach. The food in the cupboards didn't reach. Has anybody ever gone through that before? And so we've all experienced some form or another of poverty or when it didn't reach. But here's what God's saying. He says there is a process that if you'll listen to me, if you'll give heed to what I'm instructing you to do and how to live, this process will help you sustain yourself and live a life that will cause you to have the ability to reach that which you need and bring you over into a place of privilege or exemption. Exemption from what? Lack, not having enough. God's process will always cause you to have more than enough. But now notice what he says here. The Bible told us that in regards to this life of privilege, he says don't just use it as a means to serve you. He says use this privilege as a platform to serve one another. 
And therefore, if this is the process, then it's only through serving one another that we can step over into a place of privilege or exemption. And if we're not serving, if we're not loving people, if we're not doing what God asks us to do in regards to reaching people, then by default, we begin to live a life of poverty. Now, you might say, well, I've got enough. There's money in the bank account. There's food in the cupboards. We're going on vacation. That's great. That just means the privilege that you've experienced is at the extent of the labor of your own hand. But God says when you'll learn to love and serve people, I'll take you from a place of just reaching through your own ability, but I'll take you to a place of living a life of privilege and exemption and immunity from lack. How many of you know that there is a season and there is a time that another recession is going to come around the corner? There is going to come a time when financial hardship is going to be around the corner. When gas prices go through the roof. When everything begins to melt down. And God says, my kids, even though they're in the world, they're not of the world. And therefore, they can be exempt from all the junk that's going around because they serve people and they follow me. Amen. I'm telling you, I know all kinds of ministries over the years that when there was hard times that came, there were ministries that had to lay off a good portion of their employees. And there are those other ministers or those other ministries that says, you know what, we've, just tr- we've chose to trust God. And they never had to lay off anybody. Why? Because they learned how to reach into the privilege of God's life or God's uh, provision. And therefore, it lasted or it reached until the hardship was over. Can you say amen? Amen. So when it comes to this idea of living this life of privilege, God says it's through the means by which you serve or love one another. But let's be honest. Who's got time for that? Who's got time to serve other people? Who's got time to get involved in the community? Who's got time to make a difference in the school systems? Who's got time to really make my voice count and go to the ballot box and, and, and cast my vote? Who's got time to stop help, help somebody at Home Depot load up the back of their truck when it seems like they got a big heavy load that they're trying to do by themselves? Who has the time to serve at church? Who has the time to really hear from God and follow His direction and His leading When he says, I want you to tell somebody about my son Jesus and lead them into having a relationship with me. Who's got time for that kind of service? Isn't that how we oftentimes live? Who's got time for all that? By asking that question, what are we saying by default? We're saying that I I don't have time or my time doesn't reach. Right? I need to use my time to serve me. I've got a job to do. I've got chores to do. I've got kids to run. I've got this. I've got that. I don't have time. And my time surely can't reach to serve somebody else. And then we begin to wonder, why is life so hard? 
Because God says you were meant to have a life of privilege, one that exempted you from all the craziness of this life that everybody else seems to be wrapped up in. But I called you to be immune to that. I called you to have an exemption to that. I called you to be an example of what a privileged life looked like. But we're like, dear God, it just doesn't reach. And it's simply because we've lost sight of the fact that God says, I want you to learn how to serve people. Isn't our culture consumed with trying to achieve and live the life of privilege? Isn't that why so many people in America today are overextended and and are upside down and they're in debt with umpteen credit cards because they're endeavoring to try to live the life of privilege? But in essence, all they ever did was focus on their own ability to achieve the life of privilege through the efforts of their own hand. And God says, I've got a process. I've got a system that if you'll learn to serve others, you'll be exempted from poverty. Amen? How many of you want a life that reaches? I want to have a life that reaches the measure of what God's called me to. For he's called me to live a life of liberty. Amen. God's called me to live this life. You see, when it comes to poverty, we said a simple definition of poverty is when it doesn't reach. Poverty is not a financial state. It is a state of our spiritual health. Come on. I said it's a state of our spiritual health. Because if I look at my life and say, man, I'm not living the life of privilege, or it don't seem like my life is reaching, then there is a part of the process that I am not putting into practice. For God says, if you'll just follow me, if you let me give you the cues and the directions of life, you'll find that your, your life reaches. You'll find that you have what you need of. But once again, it's a condition of our spiritual health. And when it comes to God's system, the currency is love. God's currency is love. The Bible says this over in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 9. It says, for we are co-workers in God's service. You are God's field, God's building. Notice what it says. He says, you are God's field. Remember we said over there that concerning the field, he said the threshing or the process will last until the time of harvest. And it will last until the time of planting. So God says, you're my field. And he says, it'll last if you work the process. But notice what he goes on to say. He says, we are co-laborers together. Now it's important to understand what God said. He says, we are co-workers or co-laborers together. See, many times what we end up thinking or how we approach it is that I'm living for God or I'm working for God. But see, if all I'm doing is working for God, then as I do what I'm doing independently, I begin to look for God to come and validate what I'm doing. But I don't work for God. I co-labor with God. See, there's a huge difference. 
It might seem as though it's splitting hairs concerning words, but no, we work with God. And so therefore, I'm in sync with him. He gives me direction. He says, turn left, I turn left. And when I turn and follow his leading, what's there? Provision. subscribe to this podcast and take a look at all of our social media sites which can be found at our website gvchurch.tv we know that today's message has been a blessing to you thanks for listening we are genesee valley church loving god loving people and loving life